Welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Brian. I'm Jay. And this is our review of The Big Lebowski, starring Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Julianne Moore, Steve Buscemi, David Hiddleston, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Tara Reid, Peter Stormare, John Turturro, and Sam Elliott. Written and directed by the Coen Brothers. Released in 1998 on a $15 million budget, it grossed $46.7 million at the box office, Critically acclaimed and revered by a legion of fans for decades, even inspiring an offshoot religion or something. We finally get to check one of the big ones off for me. I'm so excited. (laughs) Uh, This is one I've been harping on Jay to do for so long and finally got him to give in. And I am so glad. So, Jay... Thank you. Sir. <laughs> before before there was a film strip, before it was even <laughs> continuous play podcast, when you were doing the daily suplex and I was just doing the gridiron breakdown and we were like, we should do a Buffy show called The Art of Slaying. You said, <laughs> and we should just review the Big Lebowski. And I'm like, why? Because <laughs> I, I, I've seen Coen Brothers movies, not all of them, but I've seen several of them. This was one I will out myself now until this week. I had never seen it. And it was uh, one of no. those things that like I knew I was eventually going to get around to. I just hadn't. But you kept talking about wanting to do it. And I was like, OK, so eventually we'll do this. And after 200 and something episodes, I'm like, you know, I probably ought to throw Brian a bone. <laughs> <laughs> I had two bones, right? When we first yeah. restarted this podcast, I got my first bone thrown to me when I asked forever for someone to do the crow with me. And we did that to relaunch this podcast. And now here we are, I don't know how many episodes later, finally doing the Big Lebowski. Super pumped about it. This is one of my, if not my all-time favorite movies. Those two, the crow and the Big Lebowski, I think are my two favorite movies of all time. And, you know, this is one of those movies. And I told you this all along. I said, you have to watch it and then you have to watch it again right and the reason i do that is because there's a lot of people who just don't get it now you're you're a little versed in the corn brothers so you kind of know kind of what to expect going into this but like i always told everybody I, i watched someone told me to watch this movie i watched it and i just didn't get it at first and so they said you need to watch it again now that you've seen it the first time so i said all right i'll sit down and watch it again and the second time i watched it i literally was rolling on the floor laughing so hard during this movie i was like what is the difference between me seeing this now and the first time and well the first time i was trying to figure out what the hell was going on the second time i just enjoyed the ride so i always tell people who are going to give this for the first try to watch it twice because the first time it's going to kind of be a little confusing it's like most Coen Brothers movies, I think. It's a little confusing, hard to follow. You're not sure what's going on or any of that. But the second time you've watched it, you've seen what happens. So now you're just kind of enjoying what's going on and, and taking it in. And that's why I had you do that two times, Jay. So you watched this twice for me, so I appreciate that. Well, I'll say this too. Yes, having seen Coen Brothers stuff helped. And what it helped me understand was going into this, do not overthink what you are about to see. Because that's what the, I guess the trick of Coen Brothers movies is, is because they look so freaking amazing. And the way they're shot and the the sound and the music and all of it, the design of it, it overwhelms you almost to think like, okay, I need to put my brain into overdrive like I'm watching a fucking Michael Mann movie or something and try to pick up all of you know the little details and stuff. Or you're watching Kubrick movies or something. And the truth is, Joel and Ethan Coen make very simple stories look beautiful. And if you just go into it knowing I'm just going to watch a movie about a stoner who has the same last name as a rich guy (laughs) and he gets involved in this wacky plot about it, maybe a kidnap for hire or not. And there's some German techno nihilist and I don't know, Tara Reed and Julianne Moore's out of her fucking mind. And 
and John Goodman's crazy. <laughs> That's all I you know need to know to be able to know like okay I I know it was happening. I think also probably ten years worth of memes, you know, have sort of oh, gosh, front loaded yeah. mm-hmm. me into all of the dudes stuff and sayings and i mean much like the cohen brothers i think we all know someone like this in our life i had a friend in college that was very much like this guy (laughs) and not entirely but like there's parts of it and i'm like i get there's like this race of people out there and i envy you if you're one of those people and you're listening to the show (laughs) who absolutely do not give a damn about anything they're just kind of one moment to the next and i i envy that existence because it's just not one i can ever live but i think i knew enough about this movie going in that i'm like you know what i'm just gonna sit and turn this sucker on and watch it and dude i really just sat here and just sort of absorbed it you know and then i came back to it again and i watched it again and i actually got to going with it and for some reason or other my little player just restarted it so it had started for a third time and i was like no i think i'm good that's you know that <laughs> my, my rental has been well spent at this point but yeah i you know um i hear you though if you don't know what to expect from a coen brothers story you can be thrown off, but I, I go back to my initial statement was that they make very simple things look incredibly complicated, but they're really not. And I think you look at all their yeah. movies, they're they're pretty much that way. They're they could be these real convoluted big plots, but they're they're really kind of straight through and simple if you just take them for what they are. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. And I think this is in essence, you laid it out here. It's really simple. Uh, he gets mistaken identity and uh, they gets pulled into a plot and hilarity ensues, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. uh, basically what the whole thing is. Now, how they get there and what they do with the hilarity, that's where it gets fun, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there gets, are a couple scenes in this that yeah. are just a whacked out of your mind part of that. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, as we go through here. But yeah. let's first start with a plot summary. And I did this earlier today, and I I just kind of went with it as I kind of remembered. <laughs> so here's how it came out for me. A pacifist hippie who goes by the name The Dude comes home one night and is attacked by a couple of thugs asking where the money is. After stuffing his head in the toilet a few times, they come to realize that they may have the Ron Jeff Lebowski. Before leaving, one of them decides to relieve himself on the dude's rug. At the urging of his friend and bowling partner Walter, the dude finds the other Jeff Lebowski so he can ask to have his rug replaced. After berating the dude and sending him on his way, his young wife Bunny is suddenly kidnapped and Jeff Lebowski calls on the dude to help him get her back. He agrees to pay the dude $20,000 if he makes a drop of $1 million payout. Walter decides that instead they will be the heroes and rescue Bunny, beat up the kidnappers, and keep all $1 million for themselves. The plan goes horribly wrong when Walter's plan backfires. The dude's car is stolen and the money goes missing. The dude returns home only to be attacked again and have his new rug taken. As he is reporting the loss of his car and his rug to the cops, he finds out that Maud Lebowski has taken the rug and requested a meeting. Maud informs the dude that Bunny is a former porn star working for Jackie Treehorn and believes she and her father are faking her abduction to steal money from the Jeff Lebowski's charity fund. Maud also asks the dude to see a doctor about the beating her friend gave him. As the dude is chauffeured home, he is abducted again, but this time by the other Lebowski. He demands to know where his money is and shows the dude that he received a severed toe in the mail claiming it is Bunny's. Dude's car is found by the police in pretty bad shape, but the briefcase with the money is not there. The dude finds some homework from a kid named Larry Sellers in his car and believes that he is the one who stole the vehicle and thus has the money. Walter decides they need to confront Larry, but Larry isn't talking. Instead, they decide to destroy what they believe is Larry's new car, only to learn it belonged to a neighbor. Walter tells the dude that he believes the whole kidnapping is a setup. So the dude informs Jeff Lebowski that his money was stolen by Larry Sellers and decides to wipe his hands clean of the whole thing. The dude and Walter decide to go bowling and practice with Donnie, their other bowling partner, but as the nihilists are are attacking them and burning the dude's car, Donnie has a heart attack. At his wit's end, the dude goes to confront Jeff Lebowski and finds that Bunny has returned from a weekend out of town with her friends. 
The dude and Walter lay out the whole scheme to the rich Lebowski who tells them they can't prove anything. Walter and the dude leave to scatter Donnie's ashes and then go bowling and all is right with the world again. It's convoluted and it sounds strange, but that is kind of what happens in this movie. No, I mean, convoluted and strange are this movie. Like, that's that's just what it is. And from the very beginning, like, and, you know, Coen Brothers are notorious for this, too. They get T-Bone Burnett in there to do this soundtrack that is, it's like if Quentin Tarantino was into, like, old <laughs> country western music is what T-Bone Burnett does and what the Coen Brothers do with their music and a little bit of disco. And soul funk stuff. And you get this and you get like the polish of the bowling alley. And like immediately from the beginning, you know, like, ah, this movie is telling me because it's showing me this slow roll down the aisle and it just bangs through the pins <laughs> and the pins are just sort of whatever that the dude is one of the pins and the ball is the plot. And it's just going <laughs> to kind of go as it goes, man. You know, and Jeff Bridges, like, me imagining him as a stoner is not a far stretch. Like it's really yeah, not. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't think he is a stoner. Like the, by all accounts, like he is not a stoner. Like I'm sure maybe at some point in his life he smoked weed because it's just the age range he came up in and stuff. But I mean he he's not he's not what you would consider, but man, he has become like stoner icon for this movie <laughs> because he just kind of let himself go and he's just like whatever and you know just that whole uh Kesara Sarab attitude that he's got uh, I would agree with that totally uh, Jeff, Jeff uh, Bridges does an excellent job in this movie of just becoming and enveloping that character and just letting it flow I mean it, it is so well done the whole laid back like I don't give a damn about anything like whatever man uh he does such a great job of it so let's talk about some of our characters here and let's start with the dude i mean the dude is jeff lebowski right that's his given name but he doesn't go by that he always likes to call himself dude the duder his duderino uh you know anything with the dude that's just kind of his character he's just laid back he's just the dude it's all he is he does he's not a he's not employed he uh who knows how i guess he he was involved in some uh high-end stuff when he was younger made his money got involved in the anti-war group and then just kind of hung out the rest of his life right and uh you know he's a bowler we learn that he walter and donnie are a bowling team and this whole movie takes place as they're getting ready for this big tournament right of bowling so you get to see him in round one they're getting ready for round two and a lot of this movie takes place inside that bowling alley with conversations between the the three men mostly walter and and uh the dude but donnie likes to chime in here and there as well so uh you know and the dude is like completely laid back doesn't really care uh he gets caught up in this scheme to try and uh get uh, kidnapping and and money and all this stuff and he just like he's such a pushover and doesn't care enough that he just keeps going with it right like he doesn't even push back he's just like okay yeah sure you know whatever they're gonna pay him 20 grand to dump a million dollars right and if it was up to him all he'd do is go dump the million dollars get his 20 grand and go back to sitting on the couch and bowling right so I mean, it's just interesting. The guy, the guy is—I I cannot say this enough—the personification of laid back. To the, like, to there's a, there's a gag that runs through part of the the movie where after they've done the the fake drop and it's all gone bad and the car's been stolen and there's just you know craziness everywhere. They've they've given him like one of these huge cell phones, like the kind like it, was, yes. it looks like a lunch pail. It's if you've ever seen the original Lethal Weapon movie, Danny Glover's got one in it. I used to use one of those to call high school mm-hmm. games with. You can fry an egg on the damn thing because it gets so hot if you use it for more than ten minutes. <laughs> but it is ringing incessantly while he's being you know talked to by the cops while the car's been stolen, and he's just like. 
okay, like, I guess eventually I'll have to answer that. But that's, I mean, even before, like, he yeah. comes home, he's pouring his white Russians together, his, you know, his concoction, half and half, a little Kahlua, a little bit of vodka. And he's just, you know, down to that. There's 50 messages on his answer machine. He's like, eh, eh. And I, I don't know, man, it's, <laughs> it is funny to watch Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges just loaf through this movie. You talk about it. he made his money early. I'm like, no, I think this guy like lived off that last student loan check for as long as he possibly could. And it reminds me of Seth Rogen's character in Knocked Up, which came out a few years after this, but where he's just kind of living off this one like weird lawsuit that he had for years. And it just, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been making that stretch for about seven years. And I kind of feel like this guy's sort of the same way. He talks about he was in, I don't know, grad school or something, and he was the second author of some paper, but whatever. I mean, it's, yeah, it doesn't, and he was part of the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, I'm like, this. Like, we know what this guy does. He sells some weed. He delivers some weed. He, does something. Yeah. he gets a little cash. He pays rent. And then he's like, eh, I think I'm going to go bowl and drink some beer. You know, I mean, he just, yeah. he just does nothing. And I don't know, man. Like, we get it when he walks in the door. There's nothing in his house. It's just a bunch of stacks of books and sort of some thrown together <laughs> furniture. They throw his head in the toilet a few times. And he's just like, I mean, I, I think his first line is like, uh, where's my money? He's like, I don't know why you put me down there one more time. I might find it for you. Yeah. And they throw me back down there. And I'm like, man, if this guy, what's funny about him is for all as laid back as he is, he absolutely loses his stuff throughout the movie like multiple times like walter can can totally get his goat he can get he can get frustrated he gets mad so that's what's funny about this is that the iconography is like the most laid-back human ever and he is but he also has like real highs and real lows you know with julianne moore's character maude is we didn't even talk about the plot summary. She makes him go to the doctor to make sure that he, you know, his his bullets are firing good, if you will, as a man. Cause she, <laughs> yes. she doesn't need a she need a man. She just needs insemination, basically, and he'll do. And so, you know, she seduces yeah. him, and in that, I don't know what she's got going on. We'll get to her in a bit, but yeah, I, all with all of that going on, he's just like, uh, you know, and you, it's all framed by Sam Elliott. Um, who is called yeah. the narrator. The Coen the brothers stranger. told him, we wrote this just for your voice. And he said, but what am I supposed to be? And they're like, we don't know. We just want you to read this and show up in the middle and then say this at the end. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And that's really it. Like this, I, re- I have read, Brian, I have read so many interesting rabbit holes of what the narrator is. My favorite one is that it's God telling us a story about his favorite slacker, which oh, in a certain way, I guess you could talk about that, but it's, it's just this random, you know, old cowboy movies always had some framing voice and device. Uh, you'll watch old shows like The Rifleman or whatever. They all start with this voiceover. You know, this man was wronged and now he must ride the West and blah, blah, blah. And that's Sam Elliott because when he's not doing car commercials and selling out, he's got this great voice, <laughs> you know, for reading <laughs> stuff. And, and I love how he frames it because you have all of him and it all ends with Bridges just going like, yeah, man, I guess, uh, you know, tournaments uh, next week. So peace. You know, he just rolls over. Yeah. And that's what makes it his famous line, the dude abides. The dude abides. Which I never I'd seen that again meme so many ways on t shirts and stuff, and I was like, I don't really get like that. And I looked at the clip and I was like, Okay, clearly in context I don't understand what you know, I need to watch this movie. And by the end of it, I'm like, you know, I haven't heard this line. <laughs> and I was like, Well, maybe it's coming at some point. And sure enough, there it was. I was like, Oh right at the end. That's it. That's that's why it's stuck, because it's sort of this like like ever, I don't know. <laughs> and he just goes back to doing what he's doing. And uh but man, yeah, yeah I got I got a tip hat though to, to Bridges, who I think is a phenomenal actor. He's been around for decades now. And I uh, I mean, I think people nowadays probably know him from his turn in the Marvel Cinematic Universe when he was the the first bad guy in Iron Man's spoiler alert. And uh <laughs> but I mean that's what people know him now. But I mean the guy's had an amazing career. I remember seeing him in the last picture show and Thunderbolt and Lightfoot and all that kind of stuff coming up, Tron and all this stuff. And just for the years he's always been uh, just this real neat character actor. And for when they got him to do this I, I don't know. I, I heard him tell a little story. He said, I met the real uh, Lebowski, you know, whatever the guy's name is. And he's a lot bigger than me. And, you know, I was like, well, okay. So I don't have to work out for this role. <laughs> he said, I talked to the guy for five <laughs> minutes. And I was like, 
okay. And so I just kind of got it. It wasn't real complicated. And I just think it's funny that like there's offshoots of Taoism <laughs> off of this guy and <laughs> all this stuff just from this very laid back role. But all I could think of watching it was it had to be so much fun as an actor just to be able to to be so chill, but then also get so wound up over just the craziest stuff. Cause the thing is, is like he gets himself in these terrible situations. All he would have to do is say, hold on just a second. We stop the car for a second and just get out and walk. But he just goes, mm-hmm. hey, I, okay, Walter, fine. That's what you want to do. And he just keeps going along with it. And that's, <laughs> that's what's funny is he's so amenable that he's just like, eh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's life's journey. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Walter, so we we should might as well talk about him next. Walter is this Vietnam vet who uh, obviously has some issues dealing with uh, with Vietnam and everything that's happened with him, and it comes up all the time. He is a converted Catholic to a Jew, and uh, through his wife, uh, ex-wife actually, <laughs> he is probably the best character in this movie. I think uh, he just gets angry about everything and then somehow finds a way to tie it back to Nam and people dying in Nam and uh, you know he's just like trying to make Jeff about or the dude just he drives him crazy right I mean he's trying to get him to do all sorts of stuff that normally the dude would be like nah man I don't need to do that but somehow Walter finds a way to talk him into doing everything in this movie uh, from uh throwing a ringer out the the car instead of the full million dollars that supposedly was in the suitcase uh, to um oh gosh uh i mean there's just so many different things in here that he just he confronts the jeff lebowski to go get his rug right he's the one who tells him go go find the it's the jeff lebowski the real jeff lebowski the other one who's the problem man you need to go get him and get your rug back or whatever right uh he convinces him to all this stuff that the normally the character do would just be like whatever but somehow walter fires him up to go do some crazy stuff in this movie and he also is the one who figures out that the whole thing's a complete sham and he keeps telling him you know it's not that's not these guys are amateurs right like like he knows better these guys are amateurs (laughs) they don't know what they're doing uh you know constantly and uh god what a great character but (laughs) <laughs> the best part in this whole movie is the scene with Smokey where Smokey bowls and he says, foot was across the line, mark at zero, right? My foot wasn't across the line. It's an eight. Put an eight down. No, your foot was across the line, mark at zero. That's cheating. It, my foot was not across the line. Pulls out a piece, cocks it, aims at him, says, mark at zero. I'm going to pull this trigger, right? Oh, my God. What a great scene. And the best part is what happens afterwards where you get Jeff Lebowski back at home and he's listening to his messages. And the first one's from Smokey saying, look, man, I got to I got to report this to the league office. I, I, I just wanted to give you a heads up that I'm report this to the league office. Right. Then you get another message that's something else. And then all of a sudden, here's the league office calling. Uh, we just got a report here from uh, an informal report from someone saying that one of your members, a Walter, uh, pulled a firearm in the middle of a game that is completely against the league rules <laughs> and if this is tr- yeah if this is true there's gonna be some serious consequences right oh my god just such great stuff walter is totally daffy duck <laughs> of this story because he does nothing but cause trouble even though he's he's clearly intelligent, but he's also like a wacky conspiracy theorist, and he's I love I, you called it that. He's like, oh, these guys are just amateurs. I'm like, Walter, what the hell do you know? You run a hardware store or whatever it is he does. I don't even <laughs> he was, know what he does. He was in Nam. Yeah, it's it's all about <laughs> just being the 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 angry side of of everything. And I mean they. I mean, poor Steve Buscemi gets nothing to do with this movie except sit there <laughs> like and yell at him until he shuts the fuck up. Like, yes. shut the fuck up, Donnie. Over and it's and just, over I mean, and, but he just puts up with it. And I'm like, I guess, like, I don't know. I've, I knew friends, groups of friends, where there was the one, like, laid back <laughs> one, the one that was definitely the put up on one, and then the one that always caused the trouble and seemed to always be leading the group forward and just, just talking all kinds of mess. And the, you know, the more he gets into it, 
the crazier it gets. John Goodman is by far the best thing in this movie, next to like the art. Oh yeah, direction. and it's because he is a phenomenal performer, and you can put him in anything, and the guy just makes it work. And he's worked with the Coen Brothers before, and he talked about like he just couldn't get over how funny the script was. He would read it and have to put it down for five minutes and stop, you know, hacking, and then come back and try to you know get into <laughs> character again. And Walter is so much fun to play. And I mean, I've seen the meme of him cocking the gun in the bowling alley for years. And I was like, I, I can't wait to finally now know what that was all about. And I was like, this is going to be this guy's <laughs> thing is he's just constantly got this gun out. And not really. It's just no, that one scene. No. And then he's got the other one where the Uzi's wrapped up in like, I don't know, some sort of cardboard oh, and he gets shot in, in newspaper. Yeah. It's a newspaper. He yeah, wrapped it in newspaper, yeah. grab the Uzi's, but he, you didn't think I'd come unprepared. Did yeah, you? He's always <laughs> scheming something. And then he's always got an answer for the next one. And you got to love a guy like that because he's such an oaf. I mean, there's no wonder that John Gummin played Fred Flintstone at some point in his life. I mean, he's built for it, <laughs> for one. But Fred is that kind of oaf. He's that Ralph Cramden just constantly instigating something, one thing to the next. But he never stops believing in his own hype or whatever the hell he's got going on in his head. And that's what was so much fun about it is when we would get away from Walter for stretches of the movie, I was like, man, I really wish Walter was sitting on that couch for Ben Gazzara's drawing a dick on a piece of paper <laughs> or whatever he's doing. I really wish Walter was here. To like I needed more Walter and I got, I got plenty of Walter by the time it was over. But this, this is uh, the thing to me that I will take away from this movie is watching John Goodman play the complete like mental opposite of the dude in this movie. Mm -hmm. And you totally get why these guys are friends. Yeah, it, it makes sense. <laughs> but it's also they have such a funny relationship and his whole thing with his ex-wife that he's so hung up on about everything he converted to Judaism for and and you know, dude's calling him out on it too. He's like, Man, what like you haven't been married in how many years now? Like you you're Catholic, man. Like what, you, you don't give it up. You don't I don't roll on Shabbats and as he's it's yeah, all these no. uh I don't know, he's just playing all these jokes to eleven. And that's what makes John Goodman so much fun is when his veins start popping out of his head, he's just losing his mind. He's just he's just funny. And he, well, the, the yeah, yeah. And he's so serious. The best part too. I think is the seriousness yes. and the and the uh, that's the best part. Like he'll be going off, and all of a sudden he'll be like correcting someone. Like uh, Chinaman's not the correct nomenclature. Asian American is what we should say. Yeah, right? you know that kind of stuff. Like in the middle of yelling at someone, <laughs> and it's, what I also thought was really fun about this movie is. They, this movie takes place in, in the bowling alley a lot, right? Do you remember ever seeing the dude or Walter Bowl? No, no I saw the dude get Not up a to single, bowl once, but they never do. Yes, but never <laughs> did you see either of them throw a single ball. No. It's always Donnie or someone next to them throwing the balls, and yeah. I thought that was the best part. It's like they spend all this time in the bowling alley, yet we never get to see what they do for bowling. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but that's, I think that's part of the gag, and it's what's fun about oh, this yeah, movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. That they all they're doing is like the bowling is sort of inconsequential. These guys are just at a place where they can have a conversation because they don't want to oh, have absolutely, it at home. Yeah. And so they're just out and they don't, they don't have anything else in their <laughs> lives. They're just like, whatever. And so I don't know. I, I found Walter to be so much fun and just, again, the dog has papers, I know, right? Yes. This dog <laughs> has papers, dude. It's not, but the way he's like talks about, he calls him dude. Like I would call you Brian. Or whatever's like, dude, the dog has paper. Like he's just so again, he's so <laughs> self serious. And when John Goodman does that, it just cracks me up because it's so not what if you I expect. were to leave him alone, his hair get, his hair will fall out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right? Like he is he's just nuts. And all the little oh, gags man. this guy does. Um I, again, he's he's an amazing performer. I've loved him in so many things, and I I first got introduced to him on the show Roseanne, growing up, and I I yep. love him mm -hmm. as Dan Connor. I mean, he's he's amazing. Yeah. Arachnophobia. Yes, mm -hmm. I, I think that was the first movie I saw him in. I'm sure he did other things, but I remember seeing him in that and going like, oh man, this guy can do different stuff. He's because Arachnophobia mm -hmm. is a weird movie, and he's a weird yes, performance it in it, uh, but. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I've seen him in so many things. The most recent thing I saw him in, it's not the most recent thing he was in, but I finally caught up and watched Kong Skull Island. And I was like, okay. man, he's so perfect. It's like the government oaf for 30 years. So like, this is the kind of guy that gets that job, and he just never lets go of it. And I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I love Walter. 
And I love his speech at the end when they're having to scatter Donnie's ashes because they're so cheap. Oh, they won't pay for the cheapest urn. They get a Folgers coffee can. And then he throws it into... It's modestly priced <laughs> yes. receptacle. Yes. He throws <laughs> the ashes into the wind and they just blow back all over poor old Jeff Bridges. And he's like, I, I need a hug, dude. I need anything. And he's like, oh, man, whatever. No, he, he yeah. what he does, it's the best because he throws... He's getting, scattering the ashes and they're going all over the dude's face and everywhere. <laughs> and then he's, he's done and he looks down and he's like brushing himself off and he turns and looks at the dude and he's like oh sorry man <laughs> and he starts brushing him off and the dude gets pissed like why does everything have to be about Vietnam, Vietnam with yes. you <laughs> yeah everything's sorry, about sorry dude he just he turns it into dude Nome. I'm sorry yeah, yeah. No, I, oh, no but you, you can't scene. not love Walter even it's infuriating I mean yeah. there's that phone conversation where the dude is like trying to put nails through a board so people can walk on it which he totally screws up <laughs> he trips over himself yeah, yeah he totally jacks <laughs> it up anyway but but he's like no man I just I just don't want to talk like you know because this is after they go to. I love the whole bit about they go get, bust the kid at the house because they. Oh sure God. He's like trying to be a cop or something. No, man, we're not going to involve the authorities. And he's just again, he's so uh, self serious, and he just goes up there and beats the hell out the, of that Corvette. <laughs> well, the funniest part is it's the kid of what, a famous author that he loves, and and the author is in an uh, like an oxygen tank or a Iron, uh, Iron Lun, Lun yeah. right? Iron Lun, yeah. And uh, he's sitting there talking like, "Love your work, sir. It's so great." And then the kid comes out and he's all serious, like, "Is this your homework, Larry?" Is this your homework, Larry? You're in a world of pain, Larry. <laughs> I just, oh my God, it's a great they, thing. They, and think, kid, they, think, kids just like, they think the kid has stolen the briefcase with the money. Now, what we find out later on, because the dude actually figured this out, because he starts listening to Walter for a minute, is that, no, nah, man, you threw a bag of laundry out. The, you threw a ringer for a ringer because Lebowski was just keeping that money for himself anyway. Because as we find out, mm-hmm. he's so incompetent. His daughter, Ma, well, is running yeah. everything. And, he scammed that million dollars out so he could have some money on his own. That's Correct, and that's yeah. what's funny about it. And the Coen brothers are all about like taking noir film, which is all about like some mysterious crime and something sorted or whatever, and then mixing it with just absurdist humor. And that's what this is because, and I, I told Irina this, we were talking about text because she knew I was watching this and, uh, we were having this conversation. She's like, how much did you laugh at this? I said, well, I mean, I, you know, I chuckled a good bit at John Goodman. I said, but more than like laughing out loud, I was so thoroughly amused by this movie and by the whole <laughs> just ridiculousness of it that yes. this is the first time I watched it. Like, I don't know that I necessarily laughed out loud, but I never was like bored, which is amazing because this is a two hour movie really about nothing. And I was never bored. And with there are it. two scenes in this that are just completely out of the blue. Whack. Yeah. Right? The, the, the first scenes? scene where he's being chased yeah. by the bowling ball, yes. right? And the second scene where he's knocked out by the white Russian cocktail that was given to him by Jackie Treehorn and uh, goes on a complete whack uh, spin to the Kenny Rogers song. Well, I mean, he, <laughs> which I think he's is out there. Like, so good. Yeah, he, he's. He's like a maintenance man, and he's trying to pick out the right shoes for bowling. And then Julianne Moore shows up in a Viking woman's outfit, and he he teaches <laughs> her how to bowl, sexy or something. Oh, yeah, it's, it's very very it's weird, interesting. I mean, but yeah, but I, I mean, I think he drops a line. I caught this the first time when he's laying in bed, kind of telling her sort of what he does, you know, all the time, and he just sort of runs through like, "Well, get stone bowl, uh, you know, read a little sometimes, uh, occasionally have an acid trip flashback," and it just sort of drops that, and then goes through like seven or eight other things and i was like i think what the movie is trying to tell us is that those scenes mean absolutely nothing that's just from him remembering times he took acid and he sort of has oh, a, exactly, he has a flashback yeah. of like oh yeah and i don't know it's it's <laughs> I, I mean they are trippy and weird and non sequitur and they mean nothing and i i miss music videos that tried to do this you know, I think Don't Come Around Here No More is sort of like the stoned Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers version of Alice in Wonderland, but it's like twice as weird, which that story's weird anyway. But I mean, it's another level of weird. And I felt like I was watching that again in those, those flashback scenes. I was watching that kind of stuff. I miss that sort of artistry in videos because we don't do that anymore. But it's, I don't know, it's fun. But yeah, Walter and Dude are so much fun together and, uh, they're a perfect buddy movie. This is a buddy movie, and they're they're great. Uh, you know, Barney and Fred. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, let's talk about the Lebowski family as a whole. Here we got the actual other Jeff Lebowski, the rich guy who's in a wheelchair. 
And he is first introduced to us when Walter convinces the dude to go confront this guy because his rug was stolen and see what the guy will do for him. Because obviously these people are after that guy and not the dude, right? Right. So he goes and (laughs) Jeff Lebowski lays into him about being a bum and how, you know, he's a waste of flesh and this and that. And finally the dude leaves and... As he's leaving, his his butler Brandt, which it's played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, absolutely fantastic character, fantastic character, uh, is is asked, you know, how'd the meeting go? And he says, oh, he said, take any rug in the house. Right? <laughs> so he walks out with a rug, and he's all happy, right? So then, as they're leaving, of course, we are introduced to Bunny, the uh, young hot wife of Mr. Lebowski, who is lounging poolside doing her nails. And uh, he, he goes up to her and is just enthralled with her sitting there. And one of the nihilists is in the pool. And, and not Stormire, yes, Peter Stormire. Yes. Out in the pool. And, and he, she's just sitting there like, nonchalant, says, tell, gives her his, her toes and uh, says, blow, right? Uh, excuse me, you know, blow. And he wants to blow the toes dry. And, and <laughs> just out of the blue, great line in the movie. And I think Philip Seymour Hoffman does the best acting right here. When she says, I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. And he just goes, <laughs> right. And she goes, Brand can't watch. He has to pay a hundred dollars. <laughs> And she's like, oh, okay. And I, and I love his whole response. She was like, oh, she is such a joker, this one. And I'm like, as if yeah. that hasn't oh, happened God. at least five times. Oh. Like, we all know. Oh, I know, right? And then a dude walks away and says, I'm just going to look for an ATM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? I'm, I'm looking for cash. I, I love oh, uh, Tara Reed in this role because, one, she's not asked to do a lot <laughs> uh, because she can't. Nope. She's not a good actress. Sorry, Tara. Uh, but she is really cute, especially the the 1998. I mean, this is American Pie. This is all of like her heyday, yep. really. And she looks really hot in the swimsuit. And she's, she's the typical... Uh, way too young trophy wife of the old rich guy, which we find out he's just a fraud anyway. That what's funny about that guy is that he, the, the real Jeff Lebowski is he's laying out like all this, I don't know, Dick Cheney, pull yourself up by your bootstraps crap in front of like the exact opposite of somebody that's even going to respond to that. Right. And Mm -hmm. he's just giving him this whole, you got to make something of yourself. I didn't. And it was like, actually, no, you didn't. You're just a fraud, (laughs) which is the Coen brothers having a little fun at the establishment rich white dudes in the world. Like they love, they love to poke Mm -hmm. fun at these people. It's through every one of their movies. Um, I think the dad in Fargo is another one. There's always, there's always one. And, they love to have this character, but it would totally fail if you didn't get a guy like David Middleton to play it because he was so good at that kind of role of just being this overbearing asshole with no like real bearing to stand on in this case, literally um, to, to work from. And that's what makes this guy so much fun uh, because he's only in a few scenes. And I think the best one honestly is when Walter decides, no, you're faking. I'm going to make you stand up. And he bear hugs the poor old oh, man God, and then he drops yes. him on his face and the dog comes over to lick him. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> this guy's reactions are so, what does it mean to be a man? I, I don't know, principles and testicles. You know, <laughs> so, I, I guess that's right. And it, I, I love watching this guy just be so melodramatic about everything. And then you've got Philip Seymour Hoffman who's just chewing scenery up. We've gone way too soon. One of our finest actors. Yeah, um, definitely. Which, I mean, you can see, like you just see why, why, they cast him in this while people started really paying attention to that guy because he can do anything. And he he never breaks stride. That's the coolest thing about Brent is that he's just like, okay, well, you know, we're just going to work through this problem. And we're just, you know, I, I love that. And I love how he's like picking up Bunny's clothes at the very end. Like, oh, she was just in a weekend <laughs> in Acapulco, uh, paying no attention here. And I'm like, man, th- there's always yep. somebody, though, that has to clean up for, for the, the big person, right? That has to take care of, you know, their mess. And sometimes those people get to be their own characters. Sometimes they're just little, you know, side pieces. Uh, but I, I thought it was great. And I, I got a real kick out of Lebowski and Brand and Bunny's whole little thing. And correct me if I'm wrong. We never see him and Bunny in the same room together, do we? 
No, I didn't think mm-hmm. so. I didn't nope. think she's always outside or he's inside and all this yeah. stuff. I mean, it's it's a trophy wife and, and you know that's all she really is. She's there for the money uh, and she's out with her friends all the time anyway. But uh, you know, Brant, uh, the character is just fantastic. You know, we first get introduced when Lebowski shows up at the house and and he's like showing him all the the honor awards and yeah. everything on the wall and he's so proud of everyone like they're his awards and. I just absolutely love that character. I think he does a phenomenal job and uh, it just really makes that whole part of the movie what it is. I mean, he he's phenomenal. And then we also have to talk about Maude Lebowski, oh, right? Please. She gets introduced, oh gosh, about halfway through the film, mm-hmm. right? And uh, she <laughs> comes in and attacks the dude and steals his, uh, his new rug <laughs> from him, right? right. And well... We don't know what's going on. Also, all we do is see her, and then someone punches dude out. Yeah. <laughs> and and next thing we know, he's he's with the cops, and she calls and leaves a message saying that this is Maude Lebowski. I'm the one who has your rug. My favorite part is the cop. Well, I guess we can close the book on that one. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> all going so on. This, this is happening. And when she's oh, properly God. introduced, Brian, Julianne Moore oh, is man. in this contraption where she comes across the ceiling waving paintbrushes wildly to get the desired effect on whatever it is on the ground. And she's basically, she's got on like underwear and that's it. Everything else is out. She has nothing yeah, on. She, she's got, she's, she's completely she, nude other than the She's harness. got on something on the bottoms and I only noticed that the second time around because she adjusts them like very obviously. So it's, I mean, okay. as if to call them out, which was another strangeness. The Julianne Moore's performance, I'm trying to think of how I describe this to somebody. It's like Anna Winters, the fashion mogul, crossed with like, the craziest nymphomaniac artist you could possibly think of. Because that's who this, <laughs> this woman is so dry, and she talks like this. She's just very dispassionate about everything, but... Uh, except my mother's rug, which was promised to me and not you. And I'm sorry it ties your room together, but it's my rug. And that's how, I mean, she just talks like that. <laughs> and I happen to like Julianne Moore. I do think she often gets cast and has picked some really strange things to play in her lifetime and in her career. And this <laughs> is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen this woman do. And I, man, it is such a, a freaking gonzo performance because you've got David Thewlis is like one of her little art friends, but he's also one of the thugs that beats up Lebowski. It's so strange, but I I love how she just goes on and on. And it's like, he's trying to have a conversation with her and tell her. And what's funny about the dude is that he just never lies about anything. He's like, well, I, I don't know. They told me she got kidnapped or something. And my friend Walter thinks it's a scam. I don't know. And then she's like, Oh, it probably is. And that's when she lays out, it's a great line too. She says, you know, my father who can't seem to manage his money in spite of his, you know, generous allowance. And that's the same line he used about bunny. who's running up bills all over town is that, you mm-hmm. know, no, you know, she, she can't deal in her allowance. I'm like, Oh, it's the same. Like he's getting passed on through the lines. It, it, that's the weird thing about Maude. And she's such a strange individual. And then, like we said, she uses Lebowski to be impregnated because Sam Elliott at the end lets us know there's a little Lebowski along the way. And, yes, and which she's like, oh, please, I don't want you present. I really don't want you to ever be around again. I just needed to bother. And I, and I, look, I've not had any kids or whatever. When that woman leaned back like that in the bed, I'm like, Oh, I I think I know what's about to be said, and it's about to get real weird in here. And it was just something to you mean say. Coitus? No, 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 no. The whole bit about like, <laughs> no, oh, I know. No, I'm I know. just rocking back. It helps for conception. I love how he just spits his drink across the room. He spits his drink out. Yep. <laughs> excuse me. And I, it's very. It comes out of nowhere almost as much as when the alien played by the hot Natasha Hinsters in Species have sex with Alfred Molina, and she's like, "Oh, I can feel the life inside of me." And he looks at her like, "Excuse me," um, for half a second. It's I mean, it's very just out of nowhere. Um, and that, that may be the best phrase I can use to describe Maude, just absolutely out of nowhere for this movie. Yeah, she's an odd character for sure. Uh, but she's the one who really is laying out the whole groundwork of, of why this is a complete mm-hmm. scam, right? She starts with showing him uh, the pornography film that Bunny Lebowski starred in. <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Ich komme to fix deine Kabel. <laughs> <laughs> you can only imagine where it goes from here. He fixes the cable. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, so good. And then she introduces us to the Nihilists, right? They're a former band called Autobahn. And uh, all three of the Nihilists are on the cover of that album. So they're musicians. <laughs> they're hired to play Nihilists. And um, so you got that going for you. And then what else? Um, you know, she she sets up early on that she wants him to go to the doctor to get thoroughly checked out. Here's the number of a doctor. Call him. He's very good and very thorough. Yes. So you know something's up there, yeah. right? And then when he finally goes to the doctor, because she calls him out on it saying that he hadn't been there yet. <laughs> and when he finally goes, he starts looking at his ears and then he tells him to drop his drawers. And he goes, oh, oh, no, I got hit in the face. He goes, yeah, I know. Drop your drawers. Yeah, no. <laughs> so He's cut cut like immediately to a scene of the dude here. driving in a car with his sunglasses on, smoking some weed. Like, man, I, just, I don't even want to think about what just happened. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And then he he crashes his car. Oh, my, uh, that car takes a um, wicked well, beating. What's great is when it's finally movie. on fire, he walks out of the bubbling alley and he's like, oh, they finally did it. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we, we they finally right, right, ruined my car. Yeah. He loses it. And it's it's hilarious, but no, yeah, Maud is so weird. And uh, but you're right; she actually lends a little bit of credibility to Walter's ramblings about it's all just a scam, you know? Because Walter's well, she's the one who tells him that yeah. it's a it's a scam to get the money from his yeah, exactly. exactly. But the, that's the thing is, up to that point, Walter's been been talking about how like oh, this broad's just running her own scam or whatever, and he's wrong about that. He's not wrong that this is a farce and it doesn't make any sense, but he's wrong that. It, the scam was coming from Bunny. It was no, it it was all Jeff Lebowski running this whole bit yeah. the whole time, which makes it even funnier. Well, yeah, I mean, he found the dude was a worthless, you know, human being, and figured he could scam him good and and find a way to get his money flesh, that he needs. By the way, it's uh, the old movie Fletch, <laughs> which is also the book too. That's the one thing that's really true from the book to that movie is that this guy runs across this person that he thinks is just a bum. So he's like, okay, you know what? I can lay off all of this on this dude. And it, and then that's a, a, you know, an old story anyway, from a lot of places, but I immediately went to Fletch with that. I was like, ah, oh, yes. And knowing the Coen brothers, they probably were thinking Fletch too. No, it could very well be. So, uh, I mean, I think we've talked about all the good characters. Donnie's the only one we haven't really talked about, but we did, we did mention he's he's really a bit player in this movie as the third partner of the dude and Walter on the bowling team. And he uh, he's the only one we ever see bowl, yeah. right? And then uh, he's always trying to get involved in the conversation and being told to shut the fuck up at Walter. <laughs> and, and out like of your element. Like, shut the fuck up, Donnie. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. You know, I mean, it's it. Over and over yeah, and over again, right? I'm like, that had to be. Because <laughs> Bushimi, like, and sometimes you can tell he's trying to keep his face from cracking. And I'm like, man, I bet you Goodman got him so many times because they just come out of nowhere with it. It's just, it's like in the middle of a sentence. Like, if I'm talking to you, like, Brian, we need to go and record this show about this. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. And, so, and he just sort of says it like that, like in the right. middle of stuff. It is so funny. You're out of your element. Shut the fuck up, <laughs> yes. Donnie. No, just over and over again. And then, of course, at the very uh, towards the end of the movie, we see him. Uh, they all go out to dude's car. It's on fire, like you said. The nihilists or the band Audubon <laughs> are sitting there telling him, "Where's the money, Lebowski? We want the money." And Walter just goes nuts. There is no fucking money. This and that, and you know, give us the money or we kill you. You know, well, come on, do it, bring it. Let's see what you got, you nihilist. He pulls a <laughs> sword on him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course, these guys know nothing. They know no idea how to fight. And so Walter just be beats the holy hell out of these guys. And then as we're, we're finishing the fight, we see Donnie on the ground, and he's having a heart attack. And unfortunately, he passes away. Um, all this time, just wanted to be heard and uh, ends up dying. So Donnie, I think he's a, a fun little side character. A couple other side characters we talked about, Smokey. Jackie Treehorn, he's the guy who runs the smut film industry. I don't even know why. I can't remember why dude ever even goes out there. Oh, no, there, no, no. I, I remember that he's going out there because the guy requests 
for him to come because he wants to he's running down that lead on bunny and all this kind of stuff because i think walter puts him up to it again it's like no you'll go get that guy to give you some money to go and retrieve the money now because this guy thinks he's owed okay. the money and it's, it's all that convolution what's great to me about this man is that ben gazara is playing that character and you may not know who that dude is but he's the bad guy in roadhouse um, and that was okay. who he will always be for me. And he's pretty much playing the same character again. In fact, I think that's the only character the guy knows how to play. And he's he's so good. And the best part of that whole scene is that he's writing something on a notepad. So the dude like tries to be slick and gets up and does the whole pencil rub on it. And it's like a guy yeah. with a huge dong, <laughs> like a pencil drawing. And some nuts, it's yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> it's like nothing because... It, yeah. And he's looking at it like what? Yeah, and then you find out later because you know, he he gets pulled over by like he gets pulled in by the cops. Like we had to forcibly remove you from that party. You were out of control. Oh, God, yes. That man puts a lot of money in this area. Like the the cops, of course, local cops would protect the uh, the smut peddler because he probably pays them all off and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely, so. yeah. So, so that was a fun character. And then of course we couldn't not talk about. Jesus, right? oh, this is man. You talk about out of nowhere, John Turturro pulling out all oh, the man. stops on this guy. He licked when he licks yeah. the bowling ball. Licks the bowling ball. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's a pederast. Right. Well, yeah. You find out like <laughs> That's what he, Walter calls yeah, him. Yeah, right? he exposed himself to a kid or something. So when he got out of jail, he had to go tell everybody. And the first scene we see is him go up to this oh, this God. house and this like burly guy's like, "What's up?" And he's like. Hi, how are you? <laughs> yeah, has to but tell he, him that he's a pedophile. But he talks, he talks oh, man. so much shit throughout this movie. Like, I will fuck you, man. And you know, he's he's like being Scarface, yeah. and he was a bowling guy. He says, I, "You pulled a piece on someone. You pull a piece on me. I'll fuck you up. I will take that gun. I will stick it up your ass and pull the trigger till it goes clear." Crazy. <laughs> and the, the best is the looks that Walter and the dude are giving him, like. What the fuck? (laughs) No, he's got like the squarest guy ever standing next to him. Just like going, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. You know, it's what? What are you doing? It was so so good. That that, that character always sticks out in my mind. He's only in it for like two scenes in the whole movie. But that is some of the most memorable scenes that that we have in this movie. So I always have to talk about that. No, Totoro, man. Totoro is is like this great, great actor. Another another guy that, again, he's he's done stuff that people are like, oh, that's the guy from the Transformers movies. I'm like, if that's all you've ever seen this dude do, please, like, go watch movies. He's in a lot of Coen Brothers movies. He does a lot of stuff, though. And he's great in All Brother Yes, he is. But, I mean, he's great in the movie, like, Rounders and all kinds of stuff. Mm. And when he gets to play, like, serious stuff, he can really dial it in. And when he plays over the top stuff, he can totally do that too. The guy has such range and is, uh, again, yeah. the Coen brothers are really good at like finding character actors to just sort of throw together into this mishmash of things. And you get these amazing performances out of them that you just don't expect because they're not the people who generally have to carry the movie. So they've just built a career out mm-hmm. of, well, let's just put people that carry the movie in the movie, which is kind of neat. Yeah, I love the Coen Brothers too because they use a lot of the same actors for all their mm-hmm. movies. And uh, if you're in one of their movies, you're going to probably be in a couple of them, right? And, and I think that's fantastic. So you got Turturro's in a bunch of them, Bashemi's in a bunch of them, Goodman's in a bunch of them, uh, Clooney's in a few of them too. I mean, a lot of the same actors show up in all these movies over and over again. And you could tell that the, the reason why is just as you said, they're just phenomenal character actors. They do anything, and so whatever that part that they want is called for these guys can pull it off and so just awesome i really enjoyed that but uh i don't know i think that's about all is there anything else you want to mention about I, the big I mean, yeah in this, this is not the standard review right because there is no like through line i mean we gave you the through line in the, <laughs> in the opening segment i i think I, I do want to talk about because i've mentioned it a few times like the art direction of this movie and the way that la gets sort of shot and all the different places that they feature here it's I, I will liken it to Michael Mann, who likes to you know shoot movies in well-known places, but not in the places that you know from those places. And that's what the Coen brothers mm-hmm. do too. They just take these little out of nowhere places and just you know, they shoot a whole movie in Minnesota, uh, at, you know, where you're from, but not far from Fargo, Fargo, South Dakota, right? And they they make a whole landscape out of just the white frozen tundra that it is. And what they do with L.A. here. <clears throat> 
almost, uh, you know, I think half of this movie's at night. The part of it's during the day. They're almost always inside. And they have this way of sort of filming claustrophobia, and you never get overwhelmed by how small the sets are and stuff. Like, there's very few things that are just wide open. But I never felt this movie mm. was small. And that that's a real skill with the camera and with the setups and everything. And I, I needed to call that out. And just the way that everybody dresses exactly like they need to for their part. It's like watching action figures get put together for things. It's very fun. Yeah. I agree. Uh, they That's part of their charm too, is they just know how to, to build good scenery and, and really put a movie together and make it look sharp. Yeah. Right. And they do in this movie. I mean, the bowling scenes in this movie alone are just so wonderfully done and, and really didn't need to be in the movie, but they're so gorgeous the way they, they film the alley and, and the guy cleaning the, the mm-hmm. lane. Waxing right? the lane. I mean, Right. How cool is that? And it's just all sorts of stuff. You're watching the ball go from uh, the ball's point of view, mm-hmm. <laughs> where you actually see it turning, and you see the pin, then you see the ground, then you see the pin, then you see the guy in the back, you see the ground. I think that was a cool shot, and just all sorts of different things. So they they do a darn good job on this. Uh, it looks really sharp as a movie for a whole as well. So yeah, I agree with that. I have to talk about one more thing, though, because this I think mm-hmm. you sent me this one as a meme or a clip once before. Um I cannot abide the dude's <laughs> attitude about the Eagles. The cab I'm driver. With that cab driver. Get out of my cab. Here's your money. <laughs> Goodbye, sir. Because no. You do not Can talk you please bad. turn the channel? You do not talk bad about the Eagles. No, 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 no. I cannot abide oh, that. Man, I fucking hate the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, that, that, is, uh, that is a memorable scene, and it's used quite a bit in this world. Yes, lots of memes, and a lot of people say it when the Eagles come on the radio as well. Um, yeah, that was a great scene. I love the cab driver's reaction. My cab, my music. I've had such a terrible day, and I fucking hate the Eagles band. Yep. Stop. Pulls him out of the car, throws him out. <laughs> a great scene. I agree. Yep. That uh, there's so many lines in this movie that have been made into memes. It's it's not even funny. Um, but you know, the dude abides. I have a T-shirt that has the dude abides on there. I mean, that's the what, last line from the, the big uh, from the dude in this whole movie is the dude abides, and then Sam Elliott repeats the dude abides. Yeah, I think I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just a phenomenal movie. Um, so let's go ahead. We're at the point where we're going to give our popcorn ratings. I'm curious where you land on this, Jay. And see this. Is so hard to give popcorn rating to for me because I'm trying to think of how I would recommend this movie to anybody who hadn't seen it. And that would, I don't even know anybody in my circle that I talk to that, that most people are like, how did you not see this movie at this point? Um, <laughs> and, and then would say something to the effect of like, but you've seen Halloween six, how many times? Uh, so, you know, there's that. Um, I, I have to say, I, you know, I get why this thing has such a following. And is such a cultural touch point for a lot of folks, particularly in our age brackets. Um, I think it's beautifully shot. I think John Goodman steals this movie completely and he, he's kind of written to anyway. And he's, um, it's kind of like, uh, if you watch Kevin Smith's Clerks, the best character in Clerks is not Dante or Jay and Silent Bob. It's friggin' Randall. And what you learn later is that Randall was the voice <laughs> of Kevin Smith. So if you listen to Kevin Smith talk, that's how Randall talks. And I feel like Walter is supposed to be like the the voice of the audience going, what are we doing? But let's go crazy. And I I love him in this movie. He's so great. Uh, The chemistry with everybody is good. I'm going to give it a really strong, heavy dose of large popcorn with a lot of butter. I think this movie is something that needs to be enjoyed with other people. Like I watched it by myself because I I tried to get my wife to watch it. And she was like, what's that about again? And I was like, I, and I tried to give her like a one sentence explanation. And she was like, <laughs> so her exact words was like, and you can go ahead and watch that. So <laughs> and, uh, she was not down for it, which Come is funny because she, she likes comedies, but she like kind of big, broad comedies. I don't think this is that. Um, so I give it a big, large popcorn. I do think it is one that is meant to be enjoyed with a group of people. It's kind of like got that Rocky Horror Picture Show thing where you all watch it, you know, or the room and you're just sitting around quoting it and having a good time. So yeah. large popcorn for me. Glad to finally check this one off of the big movie. 
I am so happy to hear this, Jay. This makes me beam with happiness. I love this movie. As I said at the beginning, this is probably one of my top two films of all time for for me. I don't need to be in a group. I like watching it with a bunch of people because, like you said, we sit around and we quote the movie. I I can't help but sit and, and quote lines from this movie as it's going through, and I, that sometimes drives my wife a little crazy. <laughs> But she gets kicked out of it at times as well. But I watched this, and she was with me while I was watching this because she also uh, gets a kick out of this movie. And she couldn't help but laugh with me uh, as we watched this again. I just love it. It's a super large popcorn for me. It's extra large popcorn. I would recommend anyone see this, but I also would recommend you watch it twice. Like I told you to, Jay, the first time you're going to maybe get a little confused at what the point of this whole movie is and just go with it, right? The second time you watch it, you just don't care what the point of the movie is. You just enjoy it. And you start laughing because there's certain things that are just funny. And that's what I like about this movie. It, it may not really have a point, <laughs> but it's so fun to watch. And uh, just getting yourself involved in Walter and the dude's characters throughout this film are an absolute blast. So... I can't recommend it more. I love it. Um, I think if you haven't seen it and you've wanted to see it, do it. It's worth your time. It's a great movie, especially if you're a Coen Brothers fan. you got to see this one. Absolutely. Lo- extra large popcorn for me, Jay. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Filmstrip. We hope you enjoyed it. You can find more episodes at our website, filmstrippodcast.com, as well as the feeds to everywhere you can subscribe and download the show. Google, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. You can also follow the show's social media at FilmstripPod on Twitter and Instagram and FilmstripPodcast on Facebook. We appreciate your support, and until next time, for Jay, I'm Brian. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2. Title 17.